discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything He is. That is why He told Abraham, He said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave Himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God Himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatin as Christ is magnified in you. Today we have a very special service. Hallelujah. It's a surprise actually. We are going to do question and answers. Yes. So this month uh, of March is our month of supernatural accomplishments through the word. And I'm going to be sharing with you concerning the word of God, the power of the word, how to use the word of God to advance and make um, progress in life. Hallelujah. But I was, so as I was praying to know exactly where to start from and what, what to share with you, God whispered to me and said that, allow them to ask some questions because I have answers for them. Hallelujah. So today and Wednesday, we are going to be asking questions and I'm going to be answering for you. Is it a good idea? Do you like such things? Beautiful. So, um, without much ado, if there's any question on your heart, my mother-in-law is in the house. Mommy, you're welcome. It's a blessing. It's a great blessing to have you around. Thank you for coming. So, if there's any question on your heart, you can just shoot your hand up. If you feel you can't ask the question openly to, you can write the question on a piece of paper and locate the closest um, Asha by you and give the question to the Asha. I'll receive it and then I'll read it out and answer for you. If you feel the question is too sensitive, you don't want anybody to see you asking. You don't need to even write your name under it. It's fine. It works. Okay, so we have somebody now, right? Beautiful. Oh, she's an Asha. Okay, I thought you were going to ask a question. Okay, so there are um, ashes by us with microphones. If there's any question on your heart, if there's anything that you want, you want answers to, it can ring from anything. Now, this is the best time to learn so many things in the Bible at once. I've done, or we've done question and answers for so many years. And if you get all the tips along that line, my wife is in the house. If you get the tips along those lines, you'll be surprised at the things that you will learn at once. Okay? So I want you to request for those tips and listen to them. So there's a question here. Yes. You can ask your question. Thank yes. you, Pastor. Tell us your name. My name is Maxine. Don't know your name. Don't know your name. Maxine. Yes, please. So she's called Maxine if you don't know. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Please, um, the Bible tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness mm. and all other things. I want to know what exactly is the kingdom of God and what is God's righteousness? Wow. Mm. Beautiful. So two in one question, isn't it? The first one is what exactly, so what she quoted is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. The Bible says, but seek, this is Jesus talking himself. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness and all these things, every other thing shall be added to you. That all these things we're talking about have to do with what you shall eat, what you shall wear, what you shall, where you shall sleep, and all of those things. He says, don't chase those things like every other person chases them. If that is all your life is about, what you eat, what you wear, um, what school you go to, what house you build, and all of those things, when you die, it's finished. Isn't it? When you die, it's what? It's finished. You, your life is basically useless. If that's what your life is all about, then you're in trouble. So Jesus was trying to bring the people's minds to the most important things in life. Okay? So he mentioned the first thing, the kingdom of God, but seek ye first. In other words, when we say seek something, what does it mean? What does it mean to seek? To search. To inquire of. To make efforts to make your own, isn't it? You say, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added. So it's a good question to know exactly what the kingdom of God is and what his righteousness is, isn't it? Okay, so let's pick the first one, the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is everything created by God. Okay? Everything created by God, including angels, the universe, uh, principalities, powers, everything that is created by God, and everywhere that God has rule over. Okay? Kingdom means a king's domain. domain. The word kingdom is from two words. The king's domain. So the rulership of the king. And the king we are talking about is God, right? God is the king of kings and is the lord of lords. If you read Revelation chapter 19, the Bible talks about how that when Jesus comes back in his open second coming, there are two second comings. There's a public one and there's a private one. The public one, the one that he shows himself to everybody, he will come wearing a vesture dipped in blood and on his tie is written the name king of kings and lord of lords. That's in Revelation chapter 19, verse 14. Look at Revelation 19, 14. And that means go, go up, go to verse 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and his head were many, were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew. Verse 13 says, And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which followed him, he's talking about Jesus and his domain, where his kingship stretches to. Hallelujah. So the kingdom of God is all that includes God. Everything that God has created. Okay? See, everything that God has created. So that's the kingdom of God. So if you read verse what, 16. So 19, 16. It says, and he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Have you seen it? So the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he has a domain in which he rules. Or where his rulership gets to. For instance, Otufo is a king, isn't it? But his domain has nothing to do with Accra. When he gets to Accra, he's a normal person. Unless the Accra chief also decides that he will receive him as a chief. But he's a normal person. As soon as he enters the atmosphere of Accra, he's normal. His domain does not extend to this place. Someone like the Queen of England had her domain stretching from England to Ghana because where she was she had a rulership here. Is it true? 
Uh -huh. So a domain does not have to do with a physical location where you can go to only or where you can see easily, but including far, places that are far away from you. Okay? So the kingdom of God um, is all that includes where God rules, the rulership of God. Please you understand? But there's another one called the kingdom of heaven. And when the kingdom of heaven is mentioned, um, it's, it's a misnomer. If you know what a misnomer is. It's a kingdom of heaven, heaven. It's called kingdom of heaven, but it actually includes men. It has to do with only human beings. Okay? So, Jesus came to come and start out the kingdom of heaven aspect of the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is bigger than the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is a subset of the kingdom of God. Please you understand. So if you read in uh, Mark, Mark chapter 1, for instance, let's look at Mark chapter 1. John the Baptist came announcing the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, rather. Um, let's read... Okay, Matthew chapter 3 will be better. Matthew 3. From verse 1. Look at Matthew chapter 3 from verse 1. And in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Have you seen it? Repent ye for what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, John the Baptist announced the kingdom of heaven. And the word at hand means it is here now. Okay? It is what? It is here now. So like I said, the kingdom of God includes everything that God has created. Everything. Everything that God has created. If you read in Colossians chapter, chapter 1, verse 15. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He says, he's talking about Jesus. And he says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. The word firstborn does not mean Jesus was also a creature. What it means is that Jesus is a priority. The one who has supremacy. The one who has the highest and best place. That's what he's talking about. Not that he was a firstborn of creature. He's talking about, so other, I don't know if, you have ASV. I'm sure the ASV will say it properly. Okay, this one just says firstborn. Is there anyone that says another thing apart from firstborn? Let's see Amplified. This one to say is firstborn. Any other one? BB. Okay. Huh. Who is the image of the unseen God coming into existence before all living things? Since he came into existence before all living things. He pre he pre-existed existence. He is the one who created existence. Without him, there's no existence. Please you get it. That's what he's trying to let you know. Then the next verse. Go to the next verse. Then it says, for by him all things were made. By him all things were made in heaven and on earth, things seen and, on, and things unseen, authorities, lords, rulers, and powers. All things were made by him and for him. Have you seen it? So this lets you know all the things that he did, all the things that he created. 
So all this includes his kingdom, the kingdom of God. Okay? But out of the kingdom of God, man, initially man was part of the kingdom of God. But the man was lost because of what Adam did. We were all seminally in Adam. We were all inside Adam when Adam did the wrong he did. So every child who is born into this world is born as a sinner. Because of what Adam did, Adam was a head of that creation. We were all created at once. You know we were all created at once. <laughs> we were all created at once. You are not a creation on your own. All of us were created at once in Adam. But we were made at different times. That's why people say, I'm going to make a baby. We want to make a baby. You can make babies, but you can't create babies. All of us were created at once, and we were all in Adam. That was why when God needed Eve to come out, he didn't create another person. He went to the same man and took Eve out of him. Okay? We were all created at once. So when Adam was lost, all of humanity was lost, because all of us were seminally, when we say seminally, we in his semen. We were all inside him. We were all in his loins. What he did affected all of humanity. So all of humanity was lost. And for humanity to come back, humanity needed another means for coming back into the kingdom of God. And that means was the kingdom of heaven. So John the Baptist came in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, announcing the kingdom of heaven being at hand or being ready and present for people to come in. Please, you understand? Uh-huh. So John announced and says and saying, John came saying, Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When John also was arrested, Jesus came and said the same thing. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let me show it to you. Hallelujah. Are you learning anything at all? Hallelujah. Look at um, chapter 4 now, Matthew chapter 4, from verse 17, Matthew four seventeen. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Isn't it? So Jesus also preached the same thing. And he showed the things of the kingdom by his actions. He showed that that kingdom is a kingdom that brings healing to people. So he, he brought healing to people. Okay? He healed people. He brought them um, the kindness of God, the love of God. He showed them the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Now, that kingdom has been established. Jesus was the one who established the kingdom or brought that kingdom into this world. And he started out that kingdom so that man can have an entrance into the kingdom of God. And the kingdom Jesus started is called the kingdom of heaven. Please, you understand? Uh And the kingdom of heaven includes what? Only men. No angels are in the kingdom of heaven. You don't have principalities and powers in the kingdom of heaven. You don't have all those things in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven only includes men. So when you become born again, you are made a part of the kingdom of heaven. And hence a part of the kingdom of God. Please you understand? So when Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, what he was referring to was actually the kingdom of heaven and what you and I need to do in advancing the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven must include more men. So he was talking about bringing more people into the kingdom of heaven. How? Through the preaching of the gospel. 
If we don't preach the gospel, nobody will be born again. Never say that if God cares about humanity, why is he not leading everybody to Christ? Yes, he cares about everybody. But you have something called a whale. Every human being has something called a whale. God gave everybody a whale. It is not that God is putting people in hell. It is people who have chosen to go to hell. God made a provision for people to come into his kingdom. But the men decided that they like hell. And so they'll go to hell. They don't care about God. Foolish God. Who is who does he think he is? People are using the F word and the S word on God. And his provision for them. It is their way. God did not make, the Bible mentions that God made us in his image and after his likeness. God has a whale. Okay? God has what? A whale. The spirit of God has a whale. Jesus had a whale. When Jesus was going to die on the cross, the night before he died, he went to pray in the, in the garden of Gethsemane and, says, and said, if it, if it be your will, Lord, let this cup pass me back. But not my will, but according to you. Oh, he had a whale. He had a will. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Father has a will. Man has a will. So it is man who has chosen to go wrong, even though God has opened his arms wide that everybody can come into his kingdom. It's dependent on men to say that I want to come or I don't want to come. Hell was not made for human beings. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. That's what Jesus said. Hell was made for the devil and his angels, not for any human being. Okay? So if you read in John chapter 3 verse 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. Okay? Then he goes on to say in verse 17, that for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's why Jesus came. He came so that everybody might be saved through him. Next verse. He that believeth on him is not condemned or is not judged. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. The reason why people go to hell is because they don't believe in Jesus Christ as a son of God and hence the means by which you are included into the kingdom of God. Why do they refuse him? Next verse. This is the problem. Can you read this one to me? One to go. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. This is the problem. Men love foolish things. It's like, well, I don't want to give up this for God. I don't want to give up that. I don't. It's because of people's foolishness. That is why they curse God to his face and say that he should go, he should go away. It is because of what they will feel eh? through their things. Do you like what I'm saying to you? So men love darkness. That is the problem. Light has come, but men love darkness. They love darkness. They love the things of darkness. They love the things you do in darkness. Yeah. Now they don't want to do it in darkness anymore. They want to bring it into the open. For everybody to see their darkness. So this is the problem. Men love darkness. So they reject God. But God's hands are always wide open. His hands have been wide open since... That is why he gave Jesus. So that he will shed his blood for you to be able to come close to him. For you to be part of the kingdom of heaven. And hence part of the kingdom of God. So he tells us, those of us who are already born again, he tells us that make sure you seek first the kingdom of God. 
In other words, let more people come in and get them to be educated in me. There are two things that are very important to God right now when it comes to human beings. The first one is their salvation. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and verse 4. First Timothy 2, 3 and 4. He says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. God, our Savior. Next verse. Then he says, Who will have all men? He wills to have all men. He wills to have what? All men to be what? That's his first will. God has a will. This is his will. That everybody should be saved. How are people saved? Romans chapter 10. Let's read from verse 13. Romans 10 from verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be... So when you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be what? Next verse. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? So if you don't believe, you can't call on him. And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? If you don't hear of him, you cannot believe, and hence you cannot be saved. Then he says, and how shall they hear without a preacher? So you need a preacher to preach for you to hear, for somebody to hear, and believe, and be saved. But how shall they hear except they be saved? That's the next lesson. Verse 15. And how shall they hear and how shall they preach except they be sent? Then he lets you know, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring lap tidings of good things. Have you seen it? So he's depending on you and I to preach the gospel to other people so that they can hear, so that they can believe, so that they can be saved. Has God sent you? Emphatically, yes. The day you got born again, that same day he sent you. Tell me, but the day you got born again, that same day, he sent you. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, all things have become new. This is a description of your new birth, of your born again experience. The day you become born again, you become a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he is, not he's going to be, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, behold, all things have become new. Then he says, and all these new things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, or who has brought us back to himself through Jesus Christ, who has brought us into his kingdom through Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. Then he says, and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Immediately you get born again, he gives you the ministry or the service of reconciliation, which means bringing others into favor with him or bringing others to him. Are you in the church? So immediately you get born again, he gives you the ministry of reconciliation. Tell anybody you are a minister of reconciliation. So Jesus was advising you and I to seek first the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Do your job. That's what he's trying to let you know. Do your primary reason for being here on earth. You are not here on earth because of some cars. Or because of some houses. How many houses can you sleep in at, this, at, at a time? Ask your neighbor, how many houses can you sleep in at, at a time? How many? How many rooms can you sleep in at a time? How many beds can you sleep on at a time? And on what, how many sides of the bed can you sleep on at once? You see, you can, you can have a very big king-sized bed. 
and you have AC inside the room. Because of the AC, you have your duvet on you, and then you are choking at one corner. Because of the, the temperature of the room, you want to keep yourself warm. So you end up sleeping in one small corner of the room. Is it true? Man is nothing. Have you seen a dead body before? In a casket before? Have you seen a casket before? Casket is very serious. It's very six feet. Uh, actually, the, the, I heard that six feet is actually this way. Not the depth. If you notice, most of the cemeteries, the depth is just like about maybe four feet. If started it's like three feet, four feet, so that you don't dig too much. So they can put more people on you. If it's deeper, they can put about four people on the same. I tell you, it's not a small thing. Do you know that after some years, they take you out of their casket and put you in a smaller box with others inside the box. Those of you who don't like people staying around you. When you die, when you die, your bones be kept in a small box with other people. I've seen some before. I've seen it before. Life. Yeah, I've seen some like this. Life. They were putting the bones into a smaller box. And they, were, they buried it under a, a big tree somewhere in the, in the cemetery. And the, you know, the, what's it called? Is it the tombstones? The tombstones were still there. But there was nobody there. You get it? Your tombstone will be there, but you are not there. You have been moved. Wrong address. Your, your location. I'm not, I'm telling you the truth, I'm, I'm serious, I've seen some before. Yeah, I've seen some before, but... You know, so he's trying to let you know what's most important. Instead of chasing things as a child of God, every time you want to get more money, more money, the Bible says that we having raiment or clothing hmm, and a good place to sleep, we should be okay. Be content with such things as you have. There's no need to amass wealth upon wealth, things upon things. You have a house at Trasaco. You have another house at North Legon. Another house at Cantonment. Another house in UK, in, in London. Another house in New York. Another house in Beijing. Yeah, another house in Germany. Dubai. If you feel that you are something. He says, don't pursue these things. You will die and leave it. The most important thing is the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Bringing others into his kingdom. <laughs> Can you imagine? Bringing others where? Into his kingdom. And establishing them. So go back to um, 1 Timothy chapter 2. We're reading verse 4, isn't it? God wills that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The word knowledge is epignosis, the full, concise, precise knowledge of God. God would have you come to a high knowledge concerning His Son, Jesus Christ. That is God's aim for you. That is why when you get born again, you don't die and go, because you must grow in Christ. You must be transformed and conformed. You must be transformed from one level of glory to glory, and you must be conformed to His image outwardly. Conformation has to do with an outward shape. And transformation has to do with an inward change. Did you get it? So he wants you to grow in the Lord. Not only to be saved, he wants you to grow in the Lord. And these two is what make up the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. That is why we keep coming to church. 
you come to church so that you can hear more about the Lord and increase in him. Increase in the knowledge that has to do with him. So that you can be more fruitful as a person and so that you can be more conscious about him who is your Lord. And also be able to be empowered some more to bring more people into his kingdom. That's why we come to church. Please you understand? So this is the reason why we are born again, okay? So that's the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God. Or the kingdom of heaven. I hope I've explained it to you. It's a secret. Seek its establishment. Seek for it to grow. Push for it to become bigger and better. You think we've built a, a big church? It's not a big church. We must build bigger churches all around the world to house more people to help with the mission of God, which is the kingdom of heaven, establishing the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Like I've explained to you. Please, you understand. Seek ye first the kingdom of, of God. Then he says, and his what? Righteousness. His righteousness. So his righteousness, okay, let me explain his righteousness to you. Are you ready to hear about his righteousness? Okay, so the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God is God's inability, okay, to sit and watch for humanity to die. Right? The righteousness of God is God's kindness. It's God's love. It's God's, God's virtues and perfections. It's God's excellence. That's the righteousness of God. It's God's inability to be wrong. Please, you get it. The righteousness of God is God's rightness. For instance, if God says that this is a tree, it will become a tree instantly. It is his right. He cannot be wrong. Please, you get it. So, the righteousness of God is God's inability to sit and be wrong. He's right all the time. It's his inability to sit and watch humanity, that is you and the whole of the human race, to be lost. So if you read in, there are so many descriptions of the righteousness of God. If you read in, amplify it. Okay. Let's read amplify. Matthew 6, 33. But seek, aim at, and strive after the first, after first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness. His way of doing and being right. Have you seen it? His way of what? Doing and being right. His way of doing, his way of acting. That's the righteousness of God. And being right. God is always right. Hallelujah. That's the righteousness of God. Now, let's read Romans chapter 3. Let's read from verse 22. Oh, let's read from verse 20. On Wednesday, I was sharing concerning this, but I want to explain it short, briefly for you so that you can answer the question, okay? It says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. It says, anyone who tries to please God by doings, by following the Ten Commandments, has a long way to go. You can't. You can't please God by trying to keep the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt not. By the time you finish keeping, thou shalt not steal. You would have failed in, thou shalt not have any other God. And you would have failed in everything. When you fail in one point in the law, you have failed in all. So God says that there is no way you can qualify before me and be right before me by doing the law. Okay? Then he says, because the law even brings you the consciousness of sin. 
when the Lord tells you that thou shalt not steal, it has told you that there's something called stealing. And you wonder about it. And you end up stealing. Is it true? If you tell a child, don't touch this. You are in trouble. That child will cook. Uh, it, will, it will play every right here where you said it shouldn't go. Is it true? Uh-huh. So he says, by the knowledge of the Lord, you have, you have the knowledge of sin. Next verse. Verse 21. Then he says, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. What he's saying is this, that right now God has brought his righteousness to you. And that righteousness was spoken of by the law, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, what Moses wrote. And the prophets, all the Old Testament talks about this particular righteousness. And now that this righteousness was going to come, which is the righteousness of God, it was going to come on a certain day. Please hide his name. And it says, even the righteousness of God, this righteousness is actually the righteousness of God. The rightness of God, the doings of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon the, all of them that believe. For there is no difference. He says, this is now the righteousness of God. God has brought his righteousness. Like, I'm, make, I'm giving you my rightness. I'm giving it to you free of charge. How? Through Jesus, through your faith in Jesus Christ. So as soon as you believe in Jesus Christ, you are made the righteousness of God. What makes God right is given to you. What makes God do the things he does is given to you. Free of charge because of what Jesus did. Please, do you understand what I'm saying? Then it says, for there's no difference. No difference between who? No difference between the Jew and the Gentile. Before Jesus came, the world was divided into two. Jew and Gentile. The Jews were closer to God because of Abraham. The Gentiles were far away from God. But he says that whether you are Jew or Gentile, both of you have fallen short of the glory of God, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God because of what Adam did. So that's the next verse. Verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Have you seen it? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So this righteousness of God is for everybody. No matter where the person comes from, whether he's Jew or Gentile, all of them have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So this righteousness of God is for everybody who believes. In, in Jesus Christ by faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, next verse. Then it says, being justified freely. The, the word justified is to be declared right or to be made righteous. So it says, being made righteous freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Next verse. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. I don't know if you are catching what I'm saying. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Let's read BB, maybe to help us. From verse 23. For all have done wrong enough are far from the glory of God. Next verse. And they may have righteousness put to their credit freely by his grace. Through the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. In other words, when you believe in Jesus Christ, righteousness is given to you freely. Next verse. Jesus, whom God set forth as a, as put forward as a sin, as a sign of his mercy through faith, by his blood, to make clear his righteousness when in his pity God let the sins of earlier times go without punishment. Let me, let me explain it to you. This is what he's saying. He says that God was righteous or right in giving Jesus to die 
and shed his blood so that you can become his righteousness. It is God's righteousness to do that. Please, you understand? God is right in making the sinner justified before him or making the sinner righteous before him. It is God's rightness. It is God's joy to make sinners right before him. So that is the righteousness of God. Please, you understand? The righteousness of God is God's inability for you to be destroyed. So he brings Jesus so that you can become righteous. That's his righteousness. So when he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what is he saying? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. I've just explained it to you. And his righteousness is inability to sit down and watch people destroyed. So you seek that. Make sure others are not destroyed. Bring others in so that they can have his righteousness through faith in Christ Jesus. As simple as that. So it's the same as the kingdom of God. He's talking about the same thing. Please, do you understand? Doesn't make sense to you. Yes. So nobody's supposed to go to hell. Not even one person is supposed to go to hell. Because Jesus died. And because Jesus died, everybody can be made right before God. Actually, legally speaking, he has saved everybody. But experientially speaking, everybody must accept what he has done for them by their own will by saying, yes, I believe in what you did for me. I like what you did through Jesus for me. I, I accept it. And that is the end of the matter. You become his child and hence his righteousness. And you start doing things the way he does it. So the righteousness of God goes into you living the way he, he wants you to live or living the way he lives. That's the second aspect of it. Hallelujah. So when you get born again, you become the righteousness of God. You are now the rightness of God here on earth. So um, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 explains righteousness to us very well. Okay, 1 Peter 2 9. Let's read it in the Amplified. But you, he's not talking about somebody, he's talking about you. Tell me about you. Hit your neighbor and say you, 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 you. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people. See, I'm special. God says he has purchased you and you are very special to him. For what purpose? Why did he get you? Why did he bring you in? So that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's talking about God. He says he wants you now to set forth his wonderful doings. So now that you are born again, your job is to set forth the wonderful doings or the wonderful deeds of God. That is what your life is for. If someone is looking for God's kindness, the person should look for you. That is why you are here on earth. If someone is looking for God's love, the person should look for who? You. That's what God has put you here for. If someone is looking for God's goodness, you are the one to show forth God's goodness. That is your job. Do you like such a job? You have a question? Okay. Let's, let him ask his, and then you ask yours. Okay. Yes. So ask your question. Have you understood what I just said? Beautiful. Okay, ask your question. So keep your question for some time, okay? Don't forget. Yes. Uh, Can you tell us your name? Yes, my name is Michael. Michael, nice to see you. Yes. 
So uh, my question is, uh, it's there. Are, there are some thoughts in my mind. I'm trying to. I'm going to try to bring them out, like how I think about them. Okay. What I'm trying to find out. So, so the first thing is. There is a, a popular saying that money is the root of evil, especially like in the church. Uh, it's not a popular saying, it's in the scriptures. Okay. Yeah, it's so, first Timothy chapter 6. Yes, so uh, most of the time when um, someone tries to pursue uh, wealth money. or something like that, they are, uh, it's uh, looked at as not, uh, uh, not good. So um, I know there are roles in the church. There's people who say, people who sing, people who sweep, people who do, people who preach. So I want to ask whether there is such a role as someone who makes money. You understand? Because I know that in the real world, it takes money to uh, to, to do everything. People. Yes. So like when when there's money, it's easier to get people. The same Bible says, "Money answereth all things." Sorry. Even the sin is money. We need about 300,000 to get it done, right? Yeah. yeah. It's money. Yeah. So, so you're asking whether yes, there's any place what, like making money. Yes. Like whether uh, God can give someone, can put like a desire to make money in someone and like how, how can it be, uh, uh, be done in the way that is in accordance right. with the, uh, the will of God. God. Beautiful. Beautiful question. Let's clap for him. I'm sure it's a question on your heart. Let me start from the Old Testament. The temple that was built, Solomon's temple, was built on two pillars. There were two pillars upon which it was built. Okay? One was called, they, they gave names to the pillars. One pillar was called Jachin. Jachin. J-A-C-H-I-N. Jachin. Jachin was a priest. They named that pillar after that priest, Jackie. And then the other pillar was called Boaz. They named that pillar after a certain man called Boaz. Boaz was not a priest, he was a rich man. Just to let you know that the kingdom of God, or the temple of God, is built on two things. It's built on priests and built on wealth. Okay? So, even the Old Testament picture lets us know how important wealth is. When Israel was leaving Egypt, God caused the fear of Israel to fall on the Egyptians. And the Egyptians gave Israel all their gold, all their jewelry. They gave everything to them. When they gave it to them, the purpose of that gold was to build the temple of God. Because when the time came for the, the, the Ark of Covenant to be made, and all those things to be made, God told the children of Israel to bring the gold that they got. But the problem is that when the children of Israel received the gold, the first thing they did was to decorate their lives with the gold. They decorated them, so they, made it, they used it as earrings, hand bangles, and all of that. It wasn't for that purpose. It was for the building of the temple of God. That is what God does not like. Then the next thing they did with the gold was that they, made, they used it to make a golden calf, an idol that they worshipped. These are the two things God does not like when it comes to money. Because money, the Bible says that the love of money, not money, the love of money. So money is not evil. It is the love of it. That is the root of all evil. Please you understand. First verse chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not money, the love of it. So when people um, allow money to take over their lives, it becomes a problem. 
Let's go up. Go to, let's read from verse 4. First into 6 from verse 4. I don't know if you catch what I said concerning the Old Testament. The God he gave to them was not to decorate themselves. So if God gives you more money, it's not to build more houses. If God gives you more money, it's not to buy more cars. If God gives you more money, it's not to um, buy planes, more planes, or more whatever. No, it's for his house. And he gives you money. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Keep your finger here. Go to Deuteronomy 8, 18. I'll come back to this. Deuteronomy 8, 18. But thou shalt remember that the Lord thy God, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, rather, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. So God gives you power to get wealth. For what purpose? That he may establish his covenant which is well unto thy fathers, as it is this day. Have you seen it? He gives you power to get wealth so that you can establish his covenant or his kingdom here on earth. That's the reason why he gives you health. So wealth is not a, it's not a problem. It's a good thing. Money is good. Money is not bad. The love of it is where the problem is. That's what the problem is. Okay? Please, you understand. It is the love of money that is evil. But money is not evil. Money is a tool. It depends on who owns it. The one who owns it uses it for whatever. So if an evil person owns the money, he uses it for evil things. If a good person owns the money, he uses it for good things. So there's nothing wrong with money. Let's say there's nothing wrong with money. Say it like you believe it. The Bible says that money answers all things. And the Bible also talks about what, what wisdom will give to you. Wisdom will give, it says, wisdom will give you durable riches. Durable what? Riches. Proverbs chapter 8 talks about that. Probably we should look at it. No, not 23. Let's read from verse 17. He says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Wisdom is the word of God, okay? Then he says, Riches and honor are with me. Yea, durable riches and righteousness. So he says, riches and honor are with me. Yea, durable riches and what? Righteousness. So that this riches comes with righteousness. You can still live the way God wants to live. Please, you understand? Uh-huh. So money is not a problem. But what you do with it and how you get it makes all the difference. So how are you getting it? And what are you doing with it? You can't be scamming people and say that God is prospering you. You can't be betting and say that God is sponsoring you. To be honest with you, you are, there's a problem. There's a big problem. If you will work hard, okay, and live honestly, you will get money. You will get proper deals. And you will become a good, you will get money the right way. Eh? And this is what I just read. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Next verse. Riches and honor are with me. This is what I'm talking. Riches and honor are with me. Have you seen it? And durable, yeah, durable riches. Not riches that finishes after some time. Durable riches and righteousness are with me. So God, God does not want his children to be poor. Third John chapter 3 verse 2. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as you are so prosper. God is interested in your prosperity. Your prosperity. Eh? He is. But how you get it is the problem. Proverbs 10, 22. Let's look at it. Proverbs 10, 22. Can you read this to me? One, two, go. 
you you are a rich person. Want to go? Hallelujah. Now go to First Timothy chapter six. Let's read from verse um, verse six. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's read BB. BB. But true faith with peace of mind is of great profit. Next verse. For we came into, into the world with nothing, and we are not able to take anything out. Is it true? You came naked. You shall go naked. It's true. He wants you to have a good understanding concerning money and why you are getting it. He doesn't want to get it for the wrong reasons and give your, yourself a problem. Next verse. But if we have food and roof and roof, a roof over, over us, let that be enough. Have you seen it? It says, if you have what? Food and a roof over your head, let it be enough. Is it true? Next verse. But those who have a desire for wealth are falling into danger and are taken us in a net by a number of foolish and damaging desires through which men are overtaken by death and destruction. So those who would want to be rich, who have have an insatiable test for wealth, will have a problem. If you don't have money, you will not do some things. When you have money, your temptations are different. Is it true? Money is not evil. Money is an amplifier. It only amplifies what kind of a person you are at heart. If you are a humanizer, now that you don't have money, you may not be not show. But when you have money, then you will see. You will see what is really in your heart. If you are a buzzite, do you know a buzzite? You are a drunkard. You will not know now that you don't have money. Because others, others have to buy it for you. You have to struggle for it. But when you get money, then we will see what kind of a person. If you are a spendthrift, you will not know until you have money. So what he's saying is that those who have an insatiable chest for wealth will fall into all kinds of foolish things. Eh? Next verse. For the love of money is the root of all evil. That's the problem. It's the love of it. So he goes on to show you what to do with money. Go down to verse 14. Um, 17 rather. Go to 17. Give orders to those who have money and goods in this life not to be lifted up in their minds because money will make you proud if you don't know how to handle it. What he's saying is that this thing is, this thing is okay, but when you're getting it, be careful. Watch. Put the right shoes around you so that it doesn't destroy you because the only competition in your life with, with God is money. We respond to money more than God. Why are many people not here? Because when you come, we will not give you money. If we say we are giving everybody 200 ganasis when you come, you think the church will not be full in some few seconds? No, even 200 is more. 1,000. Whenever, if you enter the church, 1,000. Will, will they come to church? No, come to church. Overflow. We'll have overflows. Is it true? But because, it's, you see, the reason why you keep going to work and doing all the things that you are doing is because of money. At the end of the day, wherever you are going to will bring you money. So you, you, nobody tells you to come. Nobody follows up on you to come to work. Has anybody ever followed you up to come for work? To come to work? 
you are naturally motivated. When you wake up now, hey, man must go to work. When you, if you are supposed to wake up at 5 and you wake up at 6 30, your heart will miss a beat. And then you stabilize yourself and then you continue to go and is it true? Yeah. Every activity is because of money. But this one is not because of money. And God says, how you treat this one makes all the difference. Please, you get it. Give orders to those who have money and goods in this life, not to be lifted up in their minds, or to be put, or to put their hope in the uncertain chances of wealth, but in God who gives us in full measure all things for our use. Next verse. And to do good, if you are rich, says do good, having wealth in good works, being quick to give, taking part with one another. Next verse. Making ready for themselves a safe place for the time to come so that the true life may be theirs. In other words, you can use money to get something for yourself in the new life, in eternity. Money can go to eternity. Be- due to what you do with it, because of what you do with it today, it can do a lot of things for you in eternity. If you use it to save people, it will bring you a lot in eternity. If you use it to build the house of God, it will bring you a lot in eternity. That's what he's trying to let you know. So there's nothing wrong with money. It is the love of it and the way you acquire it and the way you use it that makes all the difference. Okay? What would you do if you've got $10 million right now? What comes into your heart shows you what is actually going on in your heart. So you must watch your heart and purify your heart. There's a place in the house of God for the grace of giving. There's a place for wealth makers. It's in the house of God. Romans chapter 12. Look at Romans chapter 12. Let's read from verse 5. Do you like what I'm telling you? He says, So we be many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. Next verse. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. So he's showing you the various gifts that are in the church. He talks about prophecy. Okay, next verse. Our ministry, ministry service. Let us wait on our ministering or service. Or he that get on teaching. There's a gift of teaching, like I'm teaching you now. If you are wondering how the scriptures are coming to me, there's a gift for that. It brings you scriptures. As you're standing in your feet, scriptures come to you. Go here, go here, go here, go here. Next verse. Then his or, or he that exhorted an encourager. There's a ministry of encouraging or a gift of encouraging, encouragement to encourage people in their various problems. Okay? Then he says, Or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. So there's a gift of giving. Wealth makers. And we have some people in this church who are like that. They are, they are wealthy. You see, all of us are, are young people. Have you seen that almost all of us are young people? How did we build a church? It's 50, 60, 70 year olds who do these things, isn't it? This is our second building. Our third is on this way. A fourth is also on this way. And a fifth is also on this way. Yeah. We are building seven buildings between now and next year, end of next year. Big buildings like this. Now, where is the money coming from? There are people in the church who believe that God has given them the gift of giving. So they make money because of the house of God. And when they make the money, they give it to the house of God. Because it is a gift. There's a gift of giving. There's a place of making money and giving to the house of God. Of course, you spend some. The Bible says, He that watcheth shall himself be watered. 
A pipe hole will never lack water, isn't it? Because that's made himself a channel for water to flow through. So water will always flow through him. So you you are supposed to be wealthy. Tell anybody you are supposed to be wealthy. Don't be afraid of money. It is how you how money, we are stewards of money. Okay? Luke chapter 14, let us know. We are stewards of money. How you keep the money is what makes the difference. What you do with the money is what makes the difference. And why you are going for the money is what makes the difference. If you are going for the money because of the Lord, the Lord will prosper you. One gentleman believed that if I come to his house, he will prosper. I didn't know. I just made the decision. God told me, go there. So I went to his house. When I entered his house, he said, Pastor, because you have come to my house, you will hear my testimony. After two weeks, he got a deal worth $5 million. That was his faith. Don't invite me to your house. But that was his faith. And when he got the money, he's not left the, the house of God out. He's going to do a lot of things for the house of God because he knows how the money came. Yes. Yes. He has a plan of building. I was told to, they, they told me to help to check how he would go, or else he would do more than he's supposed to do for one building. So that we can, he should, he should be, we know how to build in a, in a not too expensive way. Yeah. So there's something like that. There's a gift like that. Okay. It's, and it is needed for the house of God to build. Remember, the temple of God stands on two pillars. Jacqueline and Boaz, the priests. So we must preach like we are doing. And then we must also prosper. If we don't prosper, a lot of things cannot be done. So you must prosper. Tell anybody you must prosper. It is God's will for you to prosper. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Second Corinthians 8, 9. Okay, what I've been saying is in 1 Kings 7, 21, okay? And he set up the pillars in the porch of the temple, and he set up the right pillar and called the name of the name that of Jacqueline. Have you seen it? And he set up the left pillar and called the name there of Boaz. Boaz was a rich man, a wealthy man, upon whom the kingdom of God was built. And Jackin was a priest, upon whom the temple of God was built as well. So this verse can help me. Okay? 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. Can you read this to me? One, two, go. That you, through his poverty... Might be rich. So the scriptures let us know that Jesus came so that you might be rich. So he wants you to be rich. Okay? Tell anybody he wants you to be rich. Tell anybody I'm rich. Tell the other neighbor I'm rich. There's nothing wrong with you packing a Benz S class here. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with, with you having a, an airplane hangar at the airport. There's nothing wrong. If it is not to boast and to get someone else looking for money unnecessarily, then there's nothing wrong. The problem with what the world does is that they make people have an unsearchable test for riches. You see, they'll buy five cars, seven cars. They are not driving them. I know someone who had 120 cars. Yes, it's not a joke. 120 cars. And they were all in the sun. And when you visit him, we'll be showing to you. So I bought this car this time. And I bought this car this time. And I bought this car this time. You must use your money to prosper others. If you had dashed those cars to others, you'd have had more fulfillment than in keeping them. How many cars can you drive at once? If your wife has one and you have one, it's fine. When your children grow and they are 20, 20 at birthday, you can buy them a car, small car each. Yeah, you are fine. Everything is okay. Give all the cars to others. Prosper others. 
Bless others. Let them be happy. That is where fulfillment is. Buy cars for your pastors. Buy cars for your leaders. Buy cars for your, your church members. That is where the blessing is. Yeah? I know a pastor who bought cars for all of his instrumentalists. One day he was preaching, he looked at them and said, Ah, you, boy, you, don't have, you have cars? Pastor, we don't have. Okay, everybody a car. He bought, I think, 15 cars. 15 cars for them. Wow. He had it, so he could do it for them. If you don't have it, you can't do it. It is very difficult to be poor. Poverty ain't no joke, man. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. Yeah. You must prosper. Tell anybody you must prosper. So it is the love of money that is evil, not money. In Jesus' name. Amen. Your question. I thought you'd give the Lord a clap. clap of yes, ask a question. Yeah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What's your name? My name's Chris. 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 Yes. Yeah. How are you? Very well, sir. So yeah. Sir, you've spoken several times about everybody making heaven. Everybody and making heaven. Heaven, yeah. yeah. And there's this emphasis you make on nobody's supposed to go to hell. Yeah. Yeah, but growing up, like, my, my pops is kind of very spiritual. And it, Your pops is what? My pops. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like, I'm from a very religious home. Okay. Yeah, so there's, like, there's this part of the Bible that when he preaches to us, he tells us, uh, Every sin can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Holy Ghost is not forgiven. So now I try to understand because, the, you know, uh, the likes of Chris Brown and these uh, Western mainstreamers, there was this point that on their lyrics, you see them like head to head blaspheming against the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And see, like Kanye West, now Kanye West is repented. At some point, too, he was doing the same. Yeah. So, but there's redemption. Now I want to get the clarity of like the scripture says that blasphemy against the Holy Ghost is not forgiven. So, how did this people find redemption? I want to get the Beautiful. Let's give a round of applause. Beautiful question. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It's found in Matthew chapter 12, 31. All right. Let's read from from verse 22. It makes more sense from verse 22, okay? Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both speak and saw. Beautiful miracle, isn't it? And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. So they were attributing his work to the devil. That he's casting out devils by the devil. Next verse. And Jesus knew their thoughts. He didn't say it. We were just thinking it. But Jesus heard their thoughts. And answered and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall, be, shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. Verse 20 says, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except that he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathered not with me is scattered abroad. Wherefore I say unto you, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto them, unto men. 
but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Hallelujah. Verse 32, and whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. So it's specific, against the Holy Ghost, not against the Son of Man, or the Son of God, or against God, but against the Holy Ghost. You cannot talk against the Holy Ghost unless you know him. Okay? So all that these people are doing, they are talking against God. That is why Kanye West could find redemption. Because that one can be forgiven. But when you find God and get to know his Holy Spirit, that's in Hebrews chapter 6. Look at Hebrews chapter 6. Let's read from verse 4. So this is where the problem is. Okay? Hebrews 6 from verse 4. For it is impossible. Say it is impossible. You understand impossible? Impossible means impossible. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. First thing, they were once what? Enlightened. How are you enlightened? When you get born again. You are enlightened through your new birth. And have tasted of the heavenly gifts. What's the heavenly gifts? Eternal life, the gift of the Holy Ghost, the gift of righteousness. These are the three gifts that are given to you when you get born again. You receive eternal life, the gift of eternal life. You receive the gift of righteousness. And you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost as well. So these are people who are gotten born again and have received or tasted of the heavenly gifts and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost or fellowship. The word partakers are communion. It's communion, fellowship. To have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So these are people who have gotten to know the Holy Spirit very well. Next verse. And have tasted the good word of God. The good word of God is the highest level of God's word. There are levels of God's word. When you come in, you are given milk. First Peter 2 2. There's a milk of the word. Okay? As newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. As newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So there's the milk of God's word. Then there's the meat of God's word. First Corinthians 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto that you were not able to bear, neither yet are you now able. So there's the meat of God's word. Then there's a strong meat of God's word. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. Look at Hebrews 5, 12. And when, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teacher again, which be the first before the oracles of God, and have become as, such, such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. So there's a strong meat of God's word. Then there's the good word of God, or the honey of God's word. And that's what he's referring to in that place in chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6, where we're reading. Are you in the church? He's trying to let you know people who have gotten born again, receive the Holy Spirit, fellowship with him, have gone to the highest peak of the word of God. If they should recount or renounce the Lord or speak against the Holy Spirit, they will not be forgiven. And after the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, they have the gift of prophecy. Those are the powers of the, the world to come. They can see things. They can hear things. They can, they've had intimacy with the Lord. Next verse. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified themselves, the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. He says it is impossible to renew them. So actually what he said was not with reference to the whole world, but with reference to the general God. So if a child of God grows, you are not there. As you are looking at me like this, what I'm talking about, you have not arrived. You don't know the good word of God. You are now coming. You are still working on it. You are growing. And he says if you get to that point, 
and then you, you insult the Lord. Okay? Go to chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's read verse 25 into 27. Hebrews 10, 25 into 27. It is not forsaking the assembly together of ourselves as the man of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth. The word knowledge there is epignosis. That's the highest level of God's knowledge. There remained no more sacrifice for sins. Have you seen it? Next verse. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. 28. He that despised Moses' Lord died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorrow punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy who have trodden underfoot the Son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite unto the Spirit of grace. So he's talking about people who have come to the full knowledge of God and now insulting God and insulting Jesus and insulting the Holy Spirit. He says they cannot be renewed. They cannot, there's no more sacrifice for their sin. So anybody outside the church can talk against God. They can insult God, they can do whatever. When they, they are not enlightened, when they receive enlightenment, they will stop, they will come in. That is why Kanye West, after all the things he said about God, calling himself, uh, what, Jesus, is it Jesus or whatever? Yeezy or Yezu or whatever he was calling himself. He felt he was the son of God in that light. He went into satanism deep. But the blood of Jesus Christ is good enough for him. It goes, it reaches deep into those places to bring them out. Cults, people who have killed, don't allow anybody to kill you. If you are not born again and you die, you will go to, if you are, for instance, if you are not born again and someone kills you and occults, a cult kills you and uses you for sacrifice, makes money for 10 years and does not die and gets born again after 10 years, that guy will go to heaven, you will go to hell. Yes. Yes. There was a Nigerian gentleman who came to one of our churches years ago. This was Kumase. He had killed 300 people. 300. 1, 2, 3, 300. Yes. He worked, he worked for a court. So he, they touch cars. They go to the bus stations, touch one or two cars. Those cars are sure to get accidents. When they die, their blood, they just carry it for themselves. He's killed people physically. 300. He came to church, repented, got born again. And renounced all the things he had done. Yeah. So don't make a mistake of just dying. Without being born again. Yeah. It's an amazing thing. So that's what he's referring to. Okay. And no child of God who is now coming in can commit that sin. I mean, just came. There are some people who think about it so much. Maybe they have committed the unpardonable sin of blasphemy against the Holy Ghost because I said something some time ago. Brother, sister, you are, when a baby talks, when a baby talks, don't take it seriously, do you? I mean, a baby, if a baby say, Mommy, Mommy, you are a fool. You say, Hey, you have blasphemed against me. Oh, yeah. Away out of my house. You say that. No, no. God is wise. He's all knowing. He knows who he's talking about. There was a woman who came to this particular thing. She had received the Lord. She was a minister. She had ministered for 20 years. After 20 years, she started insulting God. That God is nothing. God, 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 God. A demon entered her life. That was the end. That was the end. A man of God tried to pray for her. God told him, her, him that you can't pray for her. She's gone. Wow. 
So it is there, but it's not for those who are outside. For those who are outside, redemption is for everybody. Redemption is for including the worst of men, including Hitler and Stalin. If Hitler had given his life to Christ at the end of his life, you'd be surprised that in heaven you see him. And you do this, hail my brother. I tell you, you'd be shocked. Some people say that, oh, hell will be very nice. You will see Bob Marley, you will see all this people there. Do you know what they did when they were dying? When they were dying, they, re- they renounced all the things that they did and received the Lord. And you have no idea. And you are following them. Ganja man. Ganja boy. Oh, we? Your nose is like a chimney. You will see. If you don't give your life to Christ, you're going to be in trouble. Yes. You don't know their personal life with the Lord. You don't know if Michael Jackson gave his life to Christ on his deathbed. There are things that happen on people's deathbeds. During their death, when they're on their deathbed, then they remember the Lord. Yes, most people. God is not happy at the death of an unrighteous man. So he makes sure that whatever he needs to do. Sometimes they meet a doctor or a nurse who will lead them to Christ before they die. Yeah. You will go to hell and you'll be surprised they're not there. You're looking. Where are these guys? They are all not there. You have a question. Follow up question. You also have a question. You also have a question. Don't worry, we'll ask all of them. Okay. Yeah. Ask your question quickly. Yeah, that's a question. We'll answer all of them. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Tim. Tim. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a librarian. Okay. Um, yeah, welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah. My question is like, um, you know, there have been a lot of times that I have been um I have sinned against God a lot of times and with all everything that I've done in the past, he tends to forgive me. So I've been asking myself, what kind of God is this? Because you are like a mortal man. I may have sinned against you. I am you. what? Like mortal. You are a human being. Yeah. Right? And I can sin against you and you will never forgive me. Mm-hmm. But God always tends to forgive me despite my shortcomings. Yeah. So I was asking, I haven't been to church for a while and this is kind of my first time here. Yeah. So... With everything you said, I've made up my mind to be part of this church. And with, with everything you said, I've made up my mind to be part of the church and to dedicate my life towards God. Wow. So I was asking myself, hold on, hold let on. me let me just talk to this pastor. Let me just ask him this question. What can I do right now as I have Build up in myself that I want to serve God. What can I do to actually stick closer to Him? Because I don't want to make the mistake that I made in the past. I want to stick closer to Him this time. I don't want to make that mistake whereby I would just come up in front of a pastor and give my life to Christ and go back to the same old ways. So this is the time that I really want to stand in front of God, give my life to Him, and move forward with Him and don't make the same mistakes in the past. So what can I do to stick closer to God? I born again. I have been born again, but so there are times. a lot of things that I have done in the past. Because, like, sometimes... I understand, I, you. I understand your question yeah, now. Yeah. I understand your question. Yeah. So then what you need to do yeah. is to grow. You see, when a child, you give birth to a child, and the child is learning how to walk. The child falls so many times, isn't it? So many times. As a parent, do you say to the child, you will never walk again? If you see a child crawling... In the house, you went to visit your auntie and your auntie's daughter was crawling. You say, auntie, I'm giving birth to a dog. I'm giving birth to an animal. Because it's only dogs and pigs you can take your seat. It's only dogs and pigs that crawl on all fours. Isn't it true? Do you say that your auntie has given birth to an animal? 
you don't. That child is as human as you. The only difference between that child and you is growth. When was the last time he fell as you were moving, as you were walking? When was the last time that you fell? He fell as you were going. You just fell, and then you stopped. You're going. You fell again, and then you fell again. When was the last time that happened to you? It's forever. It's been so. You don't even remember the last time you fell down. Is it true? Why are you not falling? Because you have learned to coordinate your senses over the years. You know how to walk straight. You know how to miss a stone. You know how to do all those things. The reason why you are falling and doing all the wrong things all the time was because you are not growing. So what you need to do now is to grow. As you grow, you grow in realization of what you have become. And you learn to walk straight and not fall. That's all you need. And that's what God is committed to for every child of God. He wants you to grow. If you grow, sin will be an, it will be, it will be a cake in your life. It will be a thing of the past. You'll be surprised that you are not doing certain things. You'll be shocked that, ah, me, is it me? Me and Pa are not doing some things. Me and Pa are committed to the Lord in a certain way. So all you need to do is to grow. How do you grow? Through the word. Okay? Through hearing the right things, like I'm telling you now. You see, it's one of the things that I said to you. It's not everything that you hear that helps you. There are some messages you will hear that will destroy you. So the Bible lets us know what you need to grow. Acts chapter 20 verse uh, 32. And now brethren I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up. The word of his grace is what builds you up. Knowing what Jesus has done for you and how much he loves you is what corrects you. Learning about his love will change your life. You will see that ah, this man really loves me and truly loves me. He gave his life for me. I must live my life for him. It will change you. That's what will change you. It's not hearing these things. You are sinning. You are doing something wrong. You need to change. Look at your life. Look at all the things you are doing. So you will not go to heaven. That will not help you. The more you hear those things, the stronger you become in wrong. It's called sin consciousness and condemnation. That will not bring you anywhere. What builds you is the word of his grace. The word of his grace is information concerning what Jesus has done for you. It's information concerning what he has, where he has brought you to and what he has made you. When you get to know what he has made you and you get to identify who you are now in him, it will change your life forever. So that's what you need. And that's what I'm going to do to you. To the glory of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, so after church, you'll be part of the first timers. We'll put you on a program and help you so that you can listen read and hear. So the word, you need the word, you need prayer, a number of things. That's, you see, for you to grow, there are five things that helps you to grow. As I say, naturally speaking, food, right? If you don't eat, you're not going to grow. You know that. If you're eating and you're not exercising, you're not going to grow. Is it true? So eating, exercising, you must move. It's called movement. Locomotion helps in growth. Is it true? The other one is drinking. You need to drink water, not drinking booze. Drinking water. <laughs> Is it true? You need to sleep. That's the fourth thing. Without sleep, you can't grow. If you don't sleep for three days, you will die. Do you know? Am I? Am I? Is it three days or four days? If you don't, if you don't, if you don't bet your eye for four days, you will not be here. You, something happen to you. You need to sleep and rest. Whilst you are sleeping and resting, you grow. No matter how hard you want to grow, if you stand in front of a mirror and eat and drink and exercise and check if you are growing, you will not, it will not work. That, that's not how you grow. As you sleep, you grow. 
As you move around, then do your business and do whatever you are doing. You, you end up growing. You don't know how you got to the height you got. Is it true? The fifth one is respiration. Food must be bent down through respiration. The more you breathe, the more that food is broken down. And the energy is given to you to grow. So these are the five things. Normally I don't mention the respiration, but it's part. Okay? So the food, spiritually speaking, is the word. The water, spiritually speaking, is the word and the spirit. Exercise, spiritually speaking, is praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in tongues, learning to pray in tongues. The fourth one is sleep. Learning to rest in what God has done for you in Christ is the sleep. Resting in his accomplishments. Then the respiration is fellowship with the Spirit. Constant fellowship with the Spirit. The Spirit is the air we breathe in the other space. So constant fellowship with the Holy Spirit helps you grow. Okay? I've answered you. So we'll show you and help you to go through it gradually. Gradually, gradually, and you'll be fine. Yeah, some hands were here, isn't it? There's been a hand over there for a long time. I'll answer everybody's question, okay? So don't worry, when you yeah, answer your question. Yeah. Yeah, hello. Um, this is something that has been bothering me for a while and I want to ask. Okay. Am I helping you in any way? Wow. Give the Lord a shout if you are being helped. Glory, glory, glory. Okay, um, my name is Carl. Carl, how are you? I'm fine, thank you, sir. Okay, so I have two questions. I know you. You know I know you. Yes. <laughs> you have two questions, okay. Okay, so the first one takes, it, uh, takes us back um, to the, um, the world issue and the money issue. Okay, so, um, for instance, is there something that we have called good money and bad money coming to the, the house of God? For instance, I have a friend. You may mention something about maybe betting and getting money, which is not really good. So, I have a friend, maybe I know this, my friend, he, he's into betting. Yeah. And then, he ends up giving me money. And I end up taking um, a tithe out of that money and bringing it to the house of God. Am I doing something good or I'm doing something How bad? sure are you that the money you gave to you is betting money? You don't know. In the, in, in, the Bible says, that's what you sold in the shambles or in the marketplace by asking no questions in your head. He was talking about idolatry. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Okay? They were asking, if food is offered to idol, and I go to, let's say I go to a restaurant, do I ask them, is this meat offered to idols? If it's offered to idols, I'm not going to eat this food. You don't do that. Whatever they said before you, eat and consume happily. Because that's what has come to you. You get it? Uh-huh. So the same principle applies. First Corinthians chapter 8, I think verse 18. The question keeps coming up regarding meat that has been offered up to an idol. Should you attend meals where such meat is served or not? But th- that principle lets us know when it comes to what to do when it comes to all these kind of questions. Okay? He, he told him that what to go, if you go to the market and you're buying meat, don't ask that. Is this meat... Was it offered to an idol? You don't ask that. You buy what you see in the marketplace, buy and go. When you go home, sanctify it with your prayer. It's good enough. You get it. So what you receive is what you have received. Don't ask questions as to, hey, where did you get the money from? You know where, uh, uh, maybe you went to a bank. Maybe the bank is doing better. And the money you put there is not the money they are giving to you back. If you put uh, a certain... Uh, 50 cities notes with a certain number. It's not the same number they'll give to you. Do you get it? Money floats. It's from, it goes everywhere and comes everywhere. 
Maybe the one you have in your pocket was from a cocaine dealer and it has come to you now. You don't ask where it's coming from. You get it? Use what has come to you and do what you're supposed to do. I hope you understand. Uh-huh. But pray for that person and talk to that person concerning his gambling addict addiction. This is Betty. No go help you. You get it? Uh-huh. And teach him the right way. That's what you need to do. Con- uh, uh, contribution. Yeah. Say it in the microphone. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor. I'm saying that he's, his question is about someone giving him the money from yeah. gambling. What if the person gambling is the one paying the tithe on the money? You have to do something about it. Hmm? Hello? <laughs> you have to do something about it. Don't think you make God rich. God doesn't need your money. God wants to bless you and help you. Not the other way around. You can't help God. So don't go and gamble to bring money to God. Do you understand? Uh-huh. Do you know what betting that? It promotes laziness. Okay? It brings you an addiction. That will destroy your life ultimately. And God doesn't want that for you. God is not a God who just takes your money independent of your life. He's interested in your life, not in your money. Okay? So work on yourself and do the right thing. You don't need that gambling to do anything. It, you will lose ultimately. You will lose. I've seen people, you see, I'm from a, a family of lottery. The lottery in this country is from my house. <laughs> eh? You, have you heard of us, your original people, and those people? They are my people. Yeah. My uncles, my big brother is a lottery guy. He was born and raised in lottery. That's all he knows. Yes. I have a big brother who is 54 years old. 5'4". That's my mother's second born. Yes. I'm a small boy when it comes to them. And that's how they've lived all their lives. And you don't want to know the problems they've had over the years. The money will come to go and it will come and it will go, 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 go to the point that they can't even buy food. It's a problem. They can have houses. I've seen 10 houses being sold at once so, so, so that they can pay debts. It's not a small thing. It's not a good thing to be involved in. I beg you. Second question. Um, second question. Um, the Bible makes us understand that there are some things that are called with that makes... Uh, um, if you money. want to do um, trading, online trading, there's nothing wrong with it. You are better off learning about that than trading on the market. You get it? Rather than uh, Ronaldo score three goals and the goal will be with the left leg. The Bible speaks against uh, <laughs> uh, giving out a fleece. You are giving out fleeces, is wrong. Hmm? Yes. Um, as I was saying, um, the Bible makes us understand that there are some things that are weights that makes us to commit sin. There so, are things that what? There are weights yeah. that makes us to commit sin. So as a child of God, if maybe I go and smoke and then I go and sleep there and I don't go and insult anybody or do anything and I wake up again and I go on my normal day run life, am I committing a sin? The Bible Paul said, all things are lawful unto me. Okay? 
but I will not be brought under the power of anything. The fact that you have to smoke to be able to sleep is, is the problem. God would want you, he says he gives his beloved sleep. He wants to give you sleep so that you sleep there. I don't need to do that to sleep there. You get it? And a lot of people certainly don't need to do that. They don't have any, any of those to be able to sleep there. You don't insult anybody and all that. But it is an addiction that is destroying your life. You are destroying your lungs. The Bible says that the one who destroys the temple of God, God shall also destroy. God will ask you questions about what you did with your body. Do you get it? Second Corinthians 5 verse 10. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. Have you seen it? What you are doing in your body makes all the difference according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. So now that you are born again, he wants to live in a certain way. He wants to use your body for a certain something. He wants to use your mouth to preach his gospel. Not to smoke weed. So it's an addiction that you have. You picked it up before you came to Christ. Or you didn't pick it up when you came into Christ. Makes no difference. Now that you know that that's an addiction, recognize that that's an addiction. And recognize that you don't like it. What you don't like, you will not keep. You will keep what you like. If you like it, you'll keep it. And it can go for the rest of your life. And all your children will learn from you. Because whenever you come home, you are smelling of weed. And they'll ask, Daddy, what's that? What is that smell? They will see it rolled up in your room. And they will also start smoking. And you will start an endless cycle that will go for the rest of their lives. And maybe you will sleep there, but they will not sleep there. They will go off and be in the side ward because of you and what you decided to do with your life. You would have destroyed your own children's lives. Children that God gave to you to raise for his purpose, not for your purpose. Please, you get it. Uh-huh. So, most of us have addictions. Is it true? <laughs> what you need is the word of God. What you need is Jesus Christ. Get closer to him. He's sweeter than anything you can taste in your flesh. Anything. He's better. He's nicer. He's nicer than we. He's nicer than cocaine. He's nicer than heroin. He's nicer than anything. And with him, your life is not destroyed. Your life is made better. Yeah. Add something. I forgot to have preachers here. Okay. Hallelujah. And just a little addition. Trust that he can take it away. Okay. So if you don't want it, trust that the blood of Jesus is able to take away anything that you don't want. Because even your salvation, you didn't save yourself. And that salvation includes everything that is not of God. You are in the house of God now. You are a child of God. You have access to everything that is of God. Like Pastor said, it's up to you to recognize that I don't want this. Because some people still like the things they do. And when they like it, you can't let it go. When you come to the point where you realize that this thing is going to destroy me, because you are still a child of God, okay? But if you keep doing that, it, it may not be sin per se, but you are destroying your body. Risk of lung cancers, all manner of things. Smoking comes with a lot of things, okay? And you die with a cancer, but you're a child of God. Do you understand? Uh-huh. So it's not about whether it's a sin or not. It's, it's 
when you are in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you realize that this thing is not good, and He'll give you the power to overcome it. Do you understand? Yes. So that's what I wanted to add. Exactly. So thank you very much. Beautiful addition. Very, very important. Who are those who have extra questions? Lift your hand like this if you have a question. Kindly stand up if you have a question. Yes. So let's start with him. His hand has been up for a long time. Oh, your hand has been up for a long time. I'm sorry. But let's start with him and then we'll come to you. Okay, so you can take your... So after these questions, we are not answering any. We have one, two, three more. Plus this one, four. And then we are done. Yes. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. What's your name? My name is Daniel. Daniel, it's good to see you. You know I know you. Yes. All right. Um, I can you want to ask on S-C-O-E-C. And come again. S-C-O-E-C. One seed. One seed. Sorry. One seed. Always seed. Yeah. And I know so many Christians who are uh, okay living a sinful lifestyle while still being in church. And it comes as a bit sketchy to me. It doesn't make sense to me that how can you be saved and still live, be living a doubled lifestyle? And my second question on that is, um, and it comes on salvation what it means to be saved, that we, we are supposed to work out your own salvation. If you can kindly explain it to what that means. Kaseli, will you help us? Thank you for your question. Hallelujah. Amen. So the first question was, uh, once saved, always saved. Is it Whether true? it's true or not. Um, from what Daddy shared with us, okay, let me, because of time, I'll try and answer it very quickly. Yes and no. Yes, because uh, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He saved you. He saved you for life. What Daddy mentioned today from his question shows you that those who have grown in God and get into a certain peak and renounce God, there's no salvation again for them. At that point, it's a no for them. It doesn't make sense. Yes, so it's yes because our salvation is not based on our work. Let's look at um, uh, Romans chapter 3. Daddy mentioned that scripture. Uh, let's read from verse 19. Um, you know, the, the, concern, the main concern with the one safe, forever safe kind of concept is that uh, there, is, there are things you shouldn't do. So it brings again the concept of the law, that we are supposed to live by at least some law or something. But here we say that now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. Now, when the law came, it came to a group of people called the Jews. That's what God gave the law to, a group of people called the Jews. And for them, God gave them the law. And from them, he was able to judge the world, to let the world know that from the best of the best, because the Jews come from Abraham, etc., etc., Isaac, and co. From the best of the best of the world, they couldn't even live up to the law. It means that they failed. Do you understand? That is why, oh, you can take us aside. That is why we have the issue of the law coming up several times. Is to let all men know that on your own, you cannot do it. Are you following it? So it was like a test. When you bring things from uh, outside the country and they are the pots, they don't test all the goods to see whether the goods are all correct. They take some and then test it. Based on that, they give a judgment for the rest of the goods, whether they are good or bad. Is that okay? So God took a group of people out of the world and even from that, he took the best. But in testing with them, they all feel. So it shows that all men actually cannot do it. Is it clear? Now, we know that what things whoever the Lord says, say to them who are under the Lord, that every mouth, so that everybody will be quiet. 
may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Are you following it? Next. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Daddy has already explained how that the law makes us conscious of sin. Next verse. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is witnessed. It's manifested. Manifested means that it has come to light. It means that that is what is working now. There's the righteousness of God. All of us want to attain the righteousness of God, right? By saying that this righteousness has come, but it's not with the law. So it means it's not by the law that you are made righteous. Is that okay? Then he says that it's witnessed by the law and the prophet. It means that the law and the prophets actually testify that this is the righteousness of God. If you get this, it means you are righteous. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he says that, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Next verse. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. It is actually by faith in Jesus Christ that we attain the righteousness of God. It's not that we have done righteousness. It is that the righteousness of God has been put on us. Is it making sense? Then, then he says, for there's no difference. Why does he bring there's no difference? It's because he was talking to Jews and Gentiles. He was comparing the two to see which was better. Those who seem to follow a certain law and those who don't follow at all. He said there's no difference among them. Why? Because all of them have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then he says that now they are being justified freely by his grace. I get it. The reason why salvation is for all and then when you accept it, it's for your life. It's because it was done by him. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. Let's go there. Ephesians 2 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. How many of you work for a gift? You work for a gift. A gift is given you regardless of your educational background, regardless of what you do or you don't do. It's given to you. So it's a gift. And God intentionally made it a gift to us. I get it. Now when you find people who are believers and they are messing around, it's very similar to a question somebody asked and that he mentioned talked about. They are gross. They've not grown to know God. If they knew God, you, they will not continue in the way they are. It's because they have the wrong information. I get it. When they are thought, no one loves God and wants to really do wrong to pain God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, it's because they don't know what God has done for them and they, they have not gotten the word of His grace. Acts chapter 20 verse 32, like Daddy Ko said. The word of grace, which is able to build them up. So, they're like children. They are like children, like babes. I get it. But there's a time they are supposed to grow, but it's not grown. Let's look at um, Hebrews chapter 5. Verse uh, 12. Yeah. Hebrews 5, 12. For when, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracle or the sayings of God, and have become a such need of milk and not of strong meat. It means that they are still babes and they are not growing in it. I get it. So their challenge is because they don't know the word of God. And what I'm saying is not just a doctrine, it's something that is proven even in this house. Many of us didn't know God in any way. We're like what we were describing. Doing wrong, running around, because we didn't know what was even going on. Even enjoying it. Even at, oh, after enjoying you enjoy it in the process. But anytime you finish, you realize that it's like something is not right. You would have had the sex, you have had <laughs> excitement, hallelujah. But after the excitement, 
Then it's like you come down, you feel very low. You were excited a few seconds ago, but after that you feel so low. You would have drunk, jumped around with your friends and all that. In the midst of it, then suddenly you just feel, and that's what some people describe as the depression. Some immediate depression in the midst of excitement. Everybody's jumping, then suddenly it's like you're off. It's not something that is actually helping you. You are trying to get things around you to excite you, but they are not satisfying enough. So in the end, you go down. You actually need God. That deep hunger within you is what Jesus said that I am the bread from heaven. Hallelujah. He is the one that is able to quench that thirst. So all they need is actually an ex- ex- um, to be exposed to the word of his grace so that they will grow. As they grow, they stop living, they start living the thing. They realize that it's not needed. It's not needed. It's not needed. Hallelujah. The last scripture I'll show you is in Galatians chapter 5, verse, uh, I think, 16. Let, let's see what's there. Galatians. He says, This I say then, walk in the spirit. The way to take away issues of the flesh away is simply to walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the last of the flesh. Jesus name. Amen. As we answered you. Beautiful. Yeah, because I want to ask something. Hallelujah. So once saved, you are saved. It's a truth. It's a gift from God. You are saved. That's the truth. But when you get to that point, that height, it's very, I mean, I don't know why anybody would want to do that. It doesn't happen on a normal day. Yeah. There are some people who get there and then you don't know what happens to them. We had a number of people in Christendom. For instance, this musician got to a point and then he said he's gay and that's because he's gay. Yeah, and, and, and it's obvious, like you said, it's all comes right down to knowledge. Exactly so. Of the love that God has for us. Um, the devil actually... The Bible says that for lack of knowledge, my people perish. Okay. So God's people can perish if they don't know what they are supposed to know. So you, you are still God's child, but because of the lack of knowledge that you have concerning what has been done for you and what you have become, you still perish. So you can be a child of God and still be sleeping in the gutter and be eaten rich man prince yeah prince you are but prince you, and you are eating from the gutters yeah, so you'll be sick you go through all the things that children of God are not supposed to go through okay a lot of people lay a lot of emphasis on getting born again after that they leave the people and expect them to know what to do automatically but that's it's not true that. and that's where a lot of people get stuck at so it's not just leading somebody to Christ Jesus said we should make disciples of the people, not just make them born again. And coming to the knowledge of the truth, which is Jesus Christ. Coming to know who we are and what we have become and all the things that we teach. You understand? But a lot of people are left, like people go for evangelism by the roadside. They give their lives to Christ. And that's it. Nobody follows up on them. At all. What do you expect them to do? They don't know anything about what they have become. We are expecting automatically that they will know right and wrong. They know that they have become children of God, but they don't understand the power that they have. Nothing has been told them. Do you understand? So they will lead a certain life. And you see that in Ghana is a lot. A lot of people who profess themselves to be Christian, but do contrary. Because they don't know. A lot of people don't know a lot of things. That's why they behave the way they do. So when you are a Christian who seemingly has a very good life, pray for the person 
there's something, a sin also called self-righteousness, which people also tend to have. Say, I don't understand why this was, no, no, no. You, you know. So teach that person, isn't it? Instead of condemning that person, but if Jesus didn't condemn us, why do you condemn your brother? What is your responsibility? To pray and teach that person. Don't condemn that person. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus flowed with prostitutes and thieves and liars and whatnots. Do you understand? So if you think you have reached some, because what happens is that even that self-righteousness, it will be tested at a point. If you don't understand that the righteousness that you have is not even yours. It's God's own that he has given to you. Otherwise, you would have fallen a long time ago. Do you understand? Otherwise, you will fall. One day, just one day, you'll be shocked. You'll be surprised that it happened. I don't know what happened. But you thought you had self-control and stuff, but you didn't, you, you didn't recognize that it's God's own that is keeping you. Do you understand? So yes, once you are saved, you are forever saved. A lot of the people will say, that is your problem. What are you doing about it? Are you teaching the people? Are you condemning them? Or you are loving them and praying for them? If you read the Bible, you know that that is not Jesus' character. Hallelujah. Okay. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you. <laughs> Romans chapter 2 verse 4. On the spice set down the goodness of the Lord, not knowing that his goodness leads you to repentance. Now people ask questions concerning, oh, why is God not killing them and doing this? The Lord's goodness is what leads them to repentance. It's not their condemnation. Okay? Romans 2, 4. Yes, ask your question. Working out your salvation. The difference between working out your salvation and yeah, so that's uh, oh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. So that scripture is in reference to, there are, there are different salvations. There are three major salvations. There's a salvation of the spirit, which happens instantly and is forever. And then there's a salvation of the soul, which is a process. And then there's a, the salvation of the body, which is the end of that process of the salvation of the soul. So three, salvi- three basic salvations. There are seven of them, but there are three basic ones that are easily seen in the scriptures or that are um, consistent to the word of God. The salvation of the spirit, okay, which happens at once. That's what happens when you get born again. Your spirit is born again. You are recreated. But when you get born again, your mind may not change. Isn't it? The way you, if you think, if you didn't know mass, you will not suddenly become a shark at mass. You know, dy dx, x squared plus y, I mean, you may not know. You get it? Uh, so your soul is not saved. Your soul needs to be saved. That's why we come to church. We come to church to hear the word so that our souls can be saved over the years. And as your soul is saved, the level to which your soul is saved is what to show how your body will be like when Jesus comes. When Jesus comes, you will save the body. So this vile body shall be changed to become a glorious body. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20. Okay? That's what the Bible says in Philippians 3.24. Our conversation is in heaven from whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also, who shall change our vile body, our death-doomed body, that it might be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he to subdue all things under himself. He says when he comes, he will change this vile body on that day. The level to which your soul is saved is what will determine what type of body, because there are different bodies of glorification. 
in the resurrection, our bodies will be different. Some's body will shine like the sun. Others will shine like the moon. Others will shine like the stars. And even the stars, they are different glories. So if you are a child of God and you are not growing, your growth in the Lord, when we say spiritual growth, we are actually talking about solical growth. Salvation of the soul. That's what we mean when we say the person is growing up spiritually. Please you get it. So when he said, work out your salvation with reverence and fear, he was talking about the salvation of your soul. Not the salvation of your spirit. You can't work out the salvation of your spirit because you are saved in your spirit by the grace of God through faith, like we showed you in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and verse 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Verse 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not of works. You get it? So the one in Philippians 2, 12, 13 lets you know about this salvation of the soul. Work out your salvation with godly fear and reverence. Go back to that place. Philippians 2, 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as I have always not obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We're talking about the salvation of your soul. Verse 13. For it's God which worketh in you, even that one, he says, don't do it on your own. It's God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his own good pleasure. Let's read the Amplified of the two. It will help. Go to verse 12. Therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my, my presence, but much more because I am absent. Work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal, and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling, self-distrust. With serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. So he's talking about the salvation of your soul. Have you seen it? Next verse. Then he says, Not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire, both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. So that is a reference to the salvation of the soul. You get it? Great. See that. Okay. Thank you, Pastor. My question is about how to deal with some groups of people. Let me say classes of people. I have two. The first one is um gay people. Yeah. Um I was having an let me say an argument with someone one time and the person was like if um like the gay act itself is a spirit, so it's not like any other sin. So it means if you associate yourself with um, gay people, it means you are going to end up like them. But um, when my mom was talking, she was saying something about not condemning other people and praying for them. So I'm asking that, like, is that how it's really supposed to be? Like, I supposed to just stay away from them, or? And the second one is atheists. How, how will they be born again if you stay away from them? <laughs> they will not be born again if you stay away from them. Don't make homosexuality special. It is like any, it's the same as fornication. If you are fornicating, you are a homosexual, you are in the same category. And you can be born again and be, be, be doing homosexuality. You, you, can be, you can be born again and a homosexual. You get it? Yeah. It's just like any other vice. Don't specialize it. The problem is that we have, they have specialized it. And they are making it political. That's the problem. That's what the problem is. But it's just like any other sin. Do you have armed robbers getting together and saying we are a group of armed robbers we need our political rights? Do you have anything like that? It's nothing like so it's not supposed to be like we are not supposed to be talking about them along that line. We're supposed to be talking about them along the lines of they needing Jesus Christ because they need Jesus Christ like every other person. 
They need Jesus Christ like every other person. There's no greater sin. There's no greater sin. The, the valley of sin does not have a deeper path and a shorter. Uh, no, it's the same. Whether you, whether you are here or there, you are still in that same valley. You understand? So if the person is not born again, the person can be a homosexual is not born again, he needs to be born again. When he gets born again, he may not stop immediately. Like someone fornicating and gets born again and may not change immediately. Do you get it? Now, it doesn't mean that his life has ended and that he's a bad person, whatever. What he needs is the word of God like every other person in order to grow out of it. Because to sin like every other one. It's just like the one who is stealing, who is doing the betting and stealing, doing uh, Sakawa. There are Christians who are doing Sakawa. Just that they've not taken a, a flag and said that we are the Sakawa boys of Ghana. Accept us. That's where the problem is. You get it? I, have, I know people who are homosexuals. They are in the house of God. They are homosexuals. You get it? Uh-huh. They, 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 that's what they say they are attracted to. They need, they, clearly they need the salvation of the soul to happen. They need the word of God to help them change their mind concerning that. Okay? So that's it. You don't have to segregate yourself. Hey, you people are homosexual. No, there's nothing like that. They are arm robbers. I've had arm robbers in the church. They were born again, but that is what we're into. It took time for them to change. They changed. You get it? And Sam is even here. Ah, okay. Yeah, you don't know who's sitting by you. Me, I know, but you don't know. As for Sam there, Sam is here, but you don't know. I will know. It's not pastoral discretion. Hallelujah. Give, give her another microphone, please. Where is your book? It's okay. I was just saying that what is not spiritual? Witchcraft. Why is witchcraft is spiritual? What do you say? Fornication is spiritual. Steal, some people they steal their own things. That one is spiritual. No, do you understand? Anything that look the devil is the devil. Do you understand? Wrong is wrong. I always say this that Always used to it used to bother me a lot with regard to homosexuals because they are true, they are human beings and they are created in God's likeness and in God's image and it's a psychological thing it's an attack on the mind you know and when the devil attacks your mind and you don't know that um, it's a lie because of how nasty the thought is you, you, even with yourself. You condemn yourself that how can I think something like this? But it's not you. But a lot of people don't know that. That is the attack on the mind. So the more you condemn yourself, the more the devil gets a grip on you. And it's the same thing. Okay. It's a lie. And they are human beings. Okay. Love them like you love every sinner around. Don't be afraid. That's, that statement is a lie. Do you understand? That is a spirit if you get close to them. It's a lie. It's a lie. When you believe that, then maybe something can happen. Everything you believe, you get. Do you get it? But when you realize that, no, you are a child of God. You have overcome all these things. You carry God. Your responsibility is for you to bring people to God. Everybody. Do you understand? So don't believe those lies. The reason why they have special, I was telling Pastor is because the, ch- the church didn't treat it well. 
they over specialize them and they said, ah, if we are that special, then we accept our speciality. But they are not. They are not that special. They are not that peculiar. And it's the church that is not helping. They are making too much noise about it. Instead of preaching to them, not condemning them all, letting them know the love of God. Because the reason why some of them have gone so deep into it is because they couldn't get anybody to talk to. They couldn't get somebody to help them out of it. They couldn't get somebody to love them out of it. All they got was, this is how I'm feeling, and they got, you are, then you are the devil. So they found a place of solace amongst themselves. And that is wrong. Do you understand? That is not Christianity. So I think it's in our own best interest to pray for them. That God will heal their minds. That God will deliver them. Instead of condemning them and fighting them. Hallelujah. Because physical fights, yeah, you won't win. You won't win. We won't win, I'm telling you. The weapons of our warfare, they are not flesh and blood. Do you understand? So our part is to pray for them. And as we preach the word, their lives are changed just like everybody else. Amen. It includes atheists. Same thing with atheists. Yeah, so what you have said applies to them as well. But with that, like, I know someone who, she's not just an atheist, she, she like, she preaches it, like. She needs to be prayed for. So. She's just like any adulterer who's preaching adultery. You get it? Or any fornicator who's saying, I think they be, oh, it's the same thing. Yes. She's not special. Everybody needs the blood of Jesus. There's nobody who is special that needs the blood of Jesus and the head of Jesus and the leg of Jesus. Everybody needs the blood of Jesus. And that's what we preach. That's all. Okay? All right. I think we have two more. Yeah. So. And then the last one is here, right? And then we are done. Thank God. Wow. Have you enjoyed yourself since you came? Have you learned anything since you came? God, told, God spoke to me to allow you to settle in this house. Like, don't worry about time when you come. Settle. Okay? Yeah. Mr. Please, thank you for the opportunity. What's your name? Israel. Israel. You didn't mention your name right there. Deborah. Yes. And then Israel. I hope you, you are getting to know their names. Some of you don't know anybody's name. So I'm asking because of you. Israel. Mr. Please, I have two questions. You have two questions? Yes, okay. The, the first one has to do with temptation. With what? Temptation. Temptation, yeah. Um, even from Philippians 2, from the Amplified, there's a part that said that shrinking timidly from temptation temptation so um picking that scripture jesus christ teaching us the lost way also said that um, but we we see jesus christ in matthew 4 and luke 4 being led of the spirit to be tempted of the devil and then also in james 1 um from 2 we see that we should count it all joy and we go through diversities and temptations because it, it produces patience which helps us. So my, my question is, it then looks as though temptation has some sort of benefit. <laughs> so if, if that's the case, um, Jesus Christ went through it and he went full of the spirit 
and after a temptation came out in the power of the Spirit. So why then is he telling us to um, pray that we are delivered? What was the balance? What was the balance? Okay, so the words always makes a difference. You know, in the Greek, the Greek is richer than the English. So one word in Greek can be represented with three words in English. You get it? Uh-huh. If the same book you read, you mentioned James. In James chapter 1, 13 and 14, go to 13. He says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. So this, this is it. God, in other words, God cannot tempt you with evil. God will not bring fornication and say, let's see whether he will fall or not. That's not God's, that's not God's area. Okay? The temptation that God brings is called tests. Before you move from class 1 to class 2, did you write exams? Uh-huh. So in God's books and in God's calendar, we need to write exams to be able to move from one level to the other. So that is the test or the temptation that he's talking about to qualify you for another level. Whenever you hear the word of God, there are temptations and persecutions that arise because of the word that you hear to see if it's really entered. That's in Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. Look at Matthew 13, you can take your seats. When one hears the word, the word of the kingdom and understanding not, then come the wicked one and catch it up with that which was sown in his heart. This is which we see by the wayside. Next verse, verse 20. But he that receives it into sonic places, the same is he that hears the word, and immediately Ujah receives it. But, next verse, yet has he not rooted himself, but endures for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arise because of the word, by and by he's, he's what? He's offended. So this one, he calls it tribulation or test or temptation, is the same thing. Arises because of the word. If we hear the word of God concerning faith, you'll be given an opportunity to put your faith to work. Do you see? You'll be given an opportunity to put your faith to work. If you don't put your faith to work, you fail that particular test. It will come back again, and you must learn to pass it. You get it? I, I remember some years ago, every year I used, to, I used to have a particular illness that will come at a particular time. You know? And when it comes, the first thing I'll do is go for a drag. I did that for two years. Then the third year, I realized that, hey, I need to put my faith to work. So I started putting my faith to work. Instead of taking a drag, I started putting my faith to work. And then that was it. And then it didn't come back again. Because I qualified in my mind that when this thing comes, I need to pray. I need to take communion. I need to speak the Lord of God for myself. Instead of going for a drag. And it stopped. Please, you get it. It's called the trial of your faith. It's trial of your faith. First Peter chapter 1, verse 5. Look at First Peter 1, 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith and salvation ready to reveal in the, in the, la, in the last time. Next verse. Where you really rejoice? Next verse. Ah, okay, go back. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Manifold temptations. Next verse. Then it says that the trial of your faith is called the test of your faith. Be much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So it is in your own interest for your faith to be tried as the years go by. God tries you, He gives you exams to qualify. Sometimes it comes in finances. You realize that you have put your faith to work for 500 cities for a long time. So you realize that you need to expand your faith to 1,000 or to 2,000. So he will give you need that are around 2,000. You realize that, hey, I need to increase my faith along that line. Sometimes it comes around the lines of health, along the lines of church growth, 
For instance, I've had to put my faith to work with respect to church growth. I had to put my faith to work with, to get to 50. Then God expanded me to 100, then to 1,000, then to 2,000, then to 3,000. I'm, I'm pushing to get to 5,000. You get it? Uh-huh. So it's the trial of your faith. It's precious, very important. God does not tempt you with evil. He tests you so that you can write that exam and be promoted. It's called promotional exams and it comes in everybody's life. Every child of God gets yes, it. Okay? Go back to James chapter 1. So the other side is the evil temptation which comes, it shows you how it comes. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempted he any man. He doesn't tempt any man. So if you check the Greek words, you'll notice some slight differences here and there. Next verse. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. I'll be saying it. He's showing you how evil temptation comes. It is by your own lust. It's not by God. By your own lust. Was there a difference in the words? Yes. Okay. Next verse. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when, when it is finished, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Have you seen it? So that one takes you into death. Jesus was taken into the wilderness to be tempted of the, or tested of the devil. Okay? It was his examination. The Bible says he was with the wild beasts. Why was he with the wild beasts? He was learning how to contend with evil spirits and overcome them. Did you get it? And then he came out with the power of God in the power of the Spirit. And he ruled over all of them. Yes. So, for instance, Jesus was tried with water. The first time, the first experience he had with water was in a glass. He changed it to wine. The second time he had an experience with water, he had to shut it up. It was the waves. His faith had increased so he could shut it up. The third time he had experience with water, he walked on it. He didn't shut it up, he walked on it. That is increase. You are from one level to the other. God is interested in your growth and He's interested in your development. So He gives you things that will help you. God even chastises us. There's a caning of God. God canes us as His children. Sometimes God will reprimand you for something you are doing. He will tell you this if you don't stop it to kill you. Because you're a child of God, God will talk to you like that. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. So it's called the chastisement of the Lord. See, the one who's not chastised is not His son. So God does that. He tries us or he, he gives us exams and he also gives us uh, chastisement as the years go by. I've answered you. Beautiful. Last one. You have the second question. Okay, ask, ask it. Pastor, please. This one is not as practical. Okay. Um, I, was, I was reading um, a scriptural text. Okay. And yeah, there seems to be a missing link, and I've struggled with it ever since. Okay. Um, in Genesis chapter one, there was the creation. Yeah. And in chapter two, there was the formation. Yeah. The, the orders were different, but it, it made sense. Um, but in chapter one, I think verse twenty or nineteen, um, God said that the water should produce the fishes, the fishes, yeah. and the fowl of the air. Yeah. And then in chapter 2, he said, I let the earth produce the fowls. So I, I, I couldn't link how... Because the fowls, the fowls have a certain kind of flesh. Okay? That need, you know you need earth for flesh to come. Is it true? Uh-huh. And is there earth in the sea? Is there earth in the sea? Is there earth in the sea? 
there's earth in the sea. You know, so, uh-huh. so the earth in the sea and the water produced the birds of air. And that was what he was making reference to in chapter 2. You get it? Uh-huh. And even the earth in the sea is, is part of what the sea used to produce the fishes. The sea produces the, is the one that produces the fish and produces the best, just like you see it. That's how it is. That's how God created it. We don't know the details, but we know that that's how God did it. I hope you get it. Beautiful. Last question. Yes. Oh, <laughs> hello. <laughs> I just want to let you know that don't read the Bible like a textbook. Okay? The Bible is for our edification. It's for our building up. It is not a thesis. Nor is it a physical exam trying to understand the, the science and the arts behind it. It's a life. When you approach it, as the Holy Spirit teach me, so that I'll grow, you will understand some things. And it is not about knowing it to go and argue. It is knowing it to live it. Do you understand me? So it is not a thesis book. Even if I give you the answer of what benefit is that to you? If I knew the mechanisms and all those things. Do you understand? So approach the word with the Holy Spirit teaching me as a blessing so that I grow and live out the Christ life. Do you understand? Going along that line all the time will lead you astray very quickly. When you approach the word of God like that, there are a number of people who are now not satisfied with the Bible any longer because they have approached it along that line and they feel they know some things. They know the Bible, so it's finished. But the Bible is a book, the book of life. It's a, a manual for the new creation. It's for instruction in righteousness. So approach it with the mindset of being blessed and being increased, not with the mindset of finding the science of it and finding the anthropology and the anthropological and theological and uh, uh, celestial. You know, some people go into the study of angels and all of that through the scriptures. It's not supposed to be like that. Okay? Beautiful. Last question. Tell me about last Finally. Last question. Yes. Good afternoon, church. Good afternoon. What's your name? My name is Favor. Cyril. Favor. Favor. Yeah. Beautiful. Ghanaians will say favor. Okay. Yes. By slow favor. We love I have it. two questions. Yeah. The first one is, they say every sin is the same, so there is no bigger sin and there is no lesser sin. So I want to bring an example. In those days, there was a king in Russia. His name was Ivan the Great. His name was what? Ivan the Great. Yeah. He had this obsession for seeing things die. So when he was small, he'd take animals, dog, cats, go to the top of the tower and throw them just to see them die. When he grew up, he gathered people in the palace and just killed them for sport, just to have fun. So if I tell a lie now, and I'm in front of God, and Ivan is with me, the lie... Yeah, Ivan, and Ivan is with me. So the lie I told is he the same with Ivan, who is a murderer who killed a lot of people during his time. In the books of God, yes, yeah. it is. So In Ivan, Ivan has killed a lot of people, like yeah. And I just told a lie. Exactly. So that is sin, why that is why we need Jesus. That is why everybody needs Jesus. When you receive Christ, you are not on the same level as Ivan. But before Christ, you are on the same level as Ivan. That is why even in 
good, in good, when someone is doing good, okay? If your, your goodness, no matter how much good you do, if your goodness does not match up with the sacrifice of Christ, you are not qualified. So Bill Gates in all of his goodness, Steve Jobs in all of his goodness, Oprah in all of her goodness, if she doesn't give her life to Christ and stands before God and brings those good works before God, those good works will not be up to 0.1 to the power infinity compared to Jesus' own. It is the standard of God and it is the right. Jesus is the standard and righteousness of God. You get it. So it's the same applies to wrong. But when you become born again, as a child of God, you are in the standard of Christ. So you are different. Your lie, if you told a lie as a child of God, you cannot be compared to Ivan the Great. Because your level is not on the same level as a normal human being. You are now a child of God. And he says, if you sin and you confess, simply and just to forgive you. So you are on a different platform altogether. You understand? The born again experience is the platform from which you can relate to God. Without that platform, you cannot relate to God at all. Anyone below that is wrong. Whether he told a lie or killed one billion people, they are on the same level. They are all condemned to hell. What takes people to hell is not their act. What takes people to hell is their refusal of Jesus Christ. That's what I read to you. Um, John 3, 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. You see. Then it says, next verse, verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. The word condemned is judged. He that believes on him is not judged or judged with the judgment of sin. That's what he's talking about. But he that believeth not is condemned. is judged already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So this is what takes people to hell. Not their acts. So all those who are going to hell are not going to hell because of what they did or did not do. They are going to hell because they didn't receive Jesus Christ. Ivan knew about Jesus. He rejected it. That is why he'll be in hell. Do you get it? So my second question, yes, I've answered it. My second question is, and does your last moment on earth determine your eternity? Does your last moment on earth determine, determine your eternity? eternity? Because on the cross, when Jesus was on the cross with the thieves, the one on the right, he, he was a thief. And those days, Romans don't just crucify people. You have to be very, very bad before they crucify yeah. you. He had killed people and all of that. Yeah, so he was a thief and... Even with all his sins, he accepted Jesus and is in heaven. So does your last moment on earth determine your eternity? It's not, it's not true. That statement is not true. Because the other one rejected Jesus and insulted Jesus. He did not end up in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God. He left. So his last moment did not determine uh, his going. He was evil. And when he had the opportunity to do something, uh, to believe in the Lord, he rejected it. Not necessarily in his last moment. It's not that you don't need to be in your last moment before you know where your eternity is. Don't wait. You know, some people say that oh, I'll do wrong, I'll do whatever I want to do when I'm about to die. Then I say, How will you know if you're about to die? What if it's a cancer? It's a sharp one. I saw a guy, a gentleman, drive a motorbike and die right in front of me last year. Last year, late last year, I think June or July. It really affected me. He died in, in, in a split second. He was dead. Right before me, he just drove. Ring, that was it. He didn't breathe. He didn't get the opportunity to open his mouth. Lord, I'll take you as my Lord. He didn't have just like so. His last moment did not determine his eternity. What he was before so determine his eternity. If you accept Jesus, accept Jesus or refuse Jesus is what determines your eternity, not your last moment. 
you don't need to wait till your last day on earth before because you may not know which one is your last day and you may not know what you will do and for most sinners it doesn't come to their mind the Lord does not come to their mind in their dying moment for most unbelievers it does not fear is what comes terror is what comes you get it so if you get somebody who has who will bring your mind to that fine but it is it behoves on you today to give your life to Christ Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1 then we have that God bless you have I answered your question thank you great we then as workers together with Jesus beseech you also that you receive the grace of God you receive not the grace of God in vain next verse for he said I have heard thee in a time accepted and in the day of salvation have I helped you she called you behold now is the accepted time behold now is the day of salvation today is the day of salvation not tomorrow not three days from today because you don't know when your last woman to be god bless you for listening we pray that the word of god will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word kindly follow pastor t and love economy church on all social networks for more of god's word don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.